Good evening, church family. I greet you in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining me for this first session of the Book and Bible Study Revival. I am so glad uh, that uh, we are together this evening. Very excited about this study. I believe that uh, we all need and can use certainly a refresher on Methodism 101. So uh, the content... Uh, most of the material is coming from uh, this study, Revival, uh, Faith as Wesley Lived It by uh, Reverend Adam Hamilton. It's a great study. Used it before, uh, and uh, we are using it yet again. Uh, so thank you uh, for taking your time out. Uh, whenever you're watching this, I, I hope that you are blessed by it. Let me open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll begin. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, O oh God, revival is certainly a good thing. I pray that we uh, never shy away from it, O oh God, that we never even run, run away from an opportunity for a spiritual revival, O oh God, to dig deep into the history, heritage, uh, the theology of what the Methodist movement was, O oh God, and how uh, it impacts us today is a, a spiritually rich thing. So, Lord, bless this study from start to finish. Bless those who are watching it, Lord. I pray that they are gifted by it. And we ask this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So the uh, first session of this study is called Precursors to Revival, Revival Epworth. Uh, there's a map uh, that I want you to uh, uh, reference uh, that is attached to uh, this particular study as well as uh, a video and some other uh, items that I hope will be helpful to you. So uh, this, uh, this session will give us a, a, a background, if you would, uh, to uh, John Wesley, to his upbringing, to his parents, um, how uh, his upbringing, of course, shaped the man, if you will. So uh, let, me, uh, let, let me do this. Let me turn to the Word of God, and I'm going to uh, invite you to do the same thing this evening. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy 1, 5. I'll give you a moment to turn there. This passage spoke to me in thinking about our own background, our own upbringing, and those who helped to shape us into the people that we are. Very, very important here. And there's a key verse, 2 Timothy 1, 5, that spoke to me. This is about encouragement to be faithful. It says this, I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So th this reference, of course, is made to uh, the uh, mighty women that were in uh, the life of Timothy, uh, the believer, the apostle. Uh, and, and, it, and it spoke to me too because, and, and I'll say more about this 
uh, in just uh, in just a moment. You know, there are people in our lives for every one of us uh, that help to encourage us, that help to teach us, that help to build us up, to lift us up, uh, to get us going, uh, those who help to shape who uh, we are today uh, into the people uh, that we are today. Of course, for uh, Timothy, none of us uh, have ever met Timothy, but we know this, that Timothy was solid in his faith, that Paul saw great uh, potential admired Timothy for his faith, for his devotion uh, in Jesus Christ. Let me just say this, okay? Timothy had people in his life that helped to shape him, and they're even mentioned here. And, and I and I love this. Again, we we've never met these women, but Lois and Eunice were important in shaping this young apostle's life, Timothy. You know? So we hold, as people of faith, these women uh, among so many others that help to do just that in our own lives. So what I want you to do is think of who those spiritual mentors were. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, teachers, Preachers, Sunday school teachers, whoever they are, think of them and offer a word of prayer and thanks for who they are. If they are still living, give them a call and thank them. If they are in heaven, offer a prayer of thanks to God for their lives because they did just that. They shaped us into the people that we are this day. So, what I'd like to do is begin with some notes, with some content from uh, this book. And, and we, will, we will see in this particular chapter who the spiritual mentors uh, were in John Wesley's life. So if you would, bear with me for a moment. There's some, there's some good material that I'd like to uh, read here. <clears throat> Firstly, I want to give you a little bit of uh, historical context into uh, the um, years leading up to John Wesley's life and to kind of the shaping uh, of England and uh, the strife, the turmoil that England was during, uh, during this time leading up to John Wesley's life. But it's called Responding to the Times. So, to understand John Wesley's thoughts and beliefs, we need to know something of the world in, into which he was born. For it was that world that shaped the Methodist movement. For 200 years leading up to Wesley's birth, Europe had been in the throes of religious conflict. In 1517, Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the door of the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. His protest against the practice of selling indulgences to the Catholic Church in the Catholic Church and against a host of other common practices of the church at that time set off a revolution. Lines were drawn between those who were loyal to the Pope and remained Catholic and those who joined Luther's protest and became 
Protestant. In England, the more immediate source of conflict was the desire by King Henry VIII to produce a male heir. He sought to have his marriage annulled so that he could marry again. And when that effort failed, he severed ties between the English church and Rome. And by 1534, Henry had himself declared the supreme head of the Church of England. And by 1536, an act was passed to disband most of the monasteries and and convents. So, moving forward uh, in English history... Let's talk about Mary I. Mary I, a staunch Roman Catholic, restored the Church of England to Catholic doctrine and practice and to the Pope's authority. She ordered that prominent Anglican bishops and Protestant leaders in the Church be put to death, mostly burned at the stake, for which she is forever remembered as Bloody Mary. You can imagine the religious upheaval that this caused. Mary was succeeded by Elizabeth I, who ruled for nearly 45 years. Elizabeth returned England to a firmly Protestant path. Her reign, as regards to religion, is remembered for seeking compromise between various Protestant factions, as well as an occasional nod to Catholic sensibilities. Now, by that time, a movement had arisen among the more ardent Protestants, who came to be known as the Puritans. Puritans opposed the vestiges of Catholicism in the church and believed the reformation of an English church had never gone far enough. James' successor, Charles I, supported high church forms of Anglicanism, married a Roman Catholic, and in a host of other ways alienated Puritans and many others. During his reign, the English Civil War broke out, and in 1649, King Charles was executed, and England became a commonwealth. More religious upheaval followed as the Puritans and their leader, Mr. Cromwell, Oliver Cromwell, enforced their strong aversion to anything Catholic. Now, because of this 200-year period of religious upheaval, many among the English people had grown, of course, weary of religion. The Enlightenment, a movement in which reason and scientific rationalism raised questions of religious traditions and belief, was further eroding religious further, particularly in the universities. The waning of religious sentiment and the rise of Enlightenment philosophies provided a perfect seedbed for the 18th century revival in which Wesley would play so prominent a role. So, think about it in this way. Our past, right, as turbulent as it was in terms of uh, church history, think about where we've been, okay, and the upheaval, the ups and downs, the bloodshed, uh, the, the fighting, the fighting among the, the Catholics and the Protestants, 
all of that happened as the church was forming and breaking away and splitting up and splitting off to what we have now. Wow! I, I mean, that, that in itself is just absolutely stunning. You know, that, that despite uh, human failure, uh, sin, division, divisiveness, the church has gotten to where uh, it's gotten today. It's an absolute miracle that it survived. So I step back, and as I'm reading this history, know that God's hand was in it. Yes, man might have failed, right? But but God continually was uh, urging and encouraging and moving the Holy Spirit, His presence, in the midst of this thing called church, and it survived. I think that in itself is an absolute miracle. So, I wanted to tell you all of that context, uh, context rather, to lead us then to uh, the life, uh, the birth, the life, uh, and the young years of John Wesley. So, let's talk about the power of a praying mother. So, John Wesley was born in Epworth, England on June 17, 1703, to Samuel and Susanna Wesley. Epworth is a small town about 150 miles north of England and about 130 miles south of the Scottish border. The home where John Wesley grew up and the church where he was baptized remain as Epworth's primary tourist attraction today. So John's father, Samuel, devoted nearly 40 years to serving the church that he was at, called St. Andrew's Church in Epworth. <clears throat> Though Samuel's preaching shaped his children, clearly it was John's mother, Susanna, who had the greatest impact on his faith. She is often referred to as the mother of Methodism. Susanna was the beautiful, intelligent daughter of a popular Puritan minister in London. He insisted that his daughter receive a classical education, something most unusual at that time. She was a brilliant woman who later insisted that her own daughters learn to read, write, and pursue their education. So Samuel and Susanna married on November 11, 1688 when Samuel became rector, priest in charge, of St. Andrew's Church sometime around 1695, and the couple moved to the rectory, the parsonage, in that time. It was in the kitchen of this new rectory that Susanna educated her children for nearly six hours a day. It was where she held family devotions early on Sunday evenings. One time when Samuel was in London and the associate rector replacing him was a rather dull preacher, some of the townsfolk asked if they could join Susanna's Sunday devotions. I love that. As a result, more people began coming to her lessons than were attending at St. Andrew's to hear the associate rector preach. Absolutely rich there. So John's mother was a commanding presence in his life. He sought her wisdom. He valued her insights. There were many occasions when he changed his mind about some matter of leadership owing to her intervention. 
In one case, a layman had began preaching, and John was against having any but ordained clergy to preach. Susanna challenged her son to listen to the man preach and to see that God was working through him. Wesley did as Susanna suggested, and from that time on, lay preachers became an important feature of Methodism. Isn't that beautiful? I love it. I love it. A, a praying uh, and, uh, and, and prominent figure, his mother was there. So, uh, in, your, in one of your attachments, by the way, uh, in the email, look at uh, the uh, little reflection about spiritual mentors. I, I want you to take note of that since uh, his, uh, John's mama was such a, such a powerful influence in his own life. Okay, let's move to 1709. In 1709, when John was five years old, someone set fire to the thatched roof of their house while the family slept. Can you believe that? Just absolutely horrible. Samuel was convinced it was someone in the congregation even. The house burned so quickly that the Wesleys barely escaped with their lives. When they got out, they took account and found that one child was missing. Can you guess who it was? It was John. Samuel tried to rush back in and get him, but the house was engulfed in flames. This is something right out of a movie, right? He knelt in prayer with his children, commending little John to God's care. At that moment, one of the townsfolk noticed John standing just inside the window. A man climbed onto someone's shoulders and they pulled John to safety right before the roof collapsed. Wow, that, that just that gives me chills just thinking about it. Susanna, and later John, came to believe that God had saved him for some special purpose. You may have a story just like that, by the way. Quoting Zechariah 3.2, Susanna called John a brand plucked from the fire. I've heard it called a brand plucked from the burning, but same, same, same concept there. John understood his life to have been spared by God for some great purpose. And this sense of destiny was what he believed when he found in leading the people of the Methodist Church. Let me, let me say this, and I'll close with this content. There were three precursors to John Wesley's revival, okay, that we've noted in this chapter. Wesley had parents who prayed for and spiritually mentored him. Very important. Very key. He had a teachable spirit. A Catholic spirit. And by the way, I will include uh, that, uh, that sermon in this email too, so take note of that. So this Catholic spirit that would humble and uh, willing to see the important truths on both sides of the theological divide. And two, he learned perseverance in the face of opposition. These features of Wesley's early life were important precursors to the 18th century Methodist revival. So just to wrap up, John Wesley being the giant 
spiritual figure of the Methodist movement. That just didn't come to him um, as if it fell out of the sky or came up out of the ground. Or one day he just woke up with this great magnificence. He had people in his life who loved him, who prayed for him, who taught him, who were firm with him, who literally saved him. That was his parents. I know that were that was people in his own church. His father being the preacher. There were praying people over John Wesley. Eunice and Lois, in the Word of God, were instrumental in Timothy's life. So much so that Paul even noted that in the Word of God. And that's a powerful thing too. So I want us to think about our own spiritual mentors. Think about what they taught you. Make note of it. Write it down. Say a prayer of thanks for them. And remember that this information, this truth, is meant to be shared. And that's a way in which we carry on, right? One's legacy. That is a beautiful thing, to have someone who pours their life into you. So remember those people. I know that John Wesley was very, very thankful for who he had in his life. And we, too, should be thankful for those instrumental uh, and important people who shaped us. All of that to say, let's pass it on. Okay, let's pass it on to the next generation. So, with all of that said, that was a, a brief uh, background about Epworth and uh, what happened there, how it influenced John Wesley. Next week, we're going to uh, get into how Oxford, how his education helped to form him as well, and, and, and some, um, some ideas, some, some uh, experience that he learned in Oxford that he eventually applied uh, to ministry that we still uh, very much um, embrace uh, and share together as Methodists today. So, revival. It's, it's going to be a, a great journey and a wonderful gift for us all. And spiritual mentors are a blessing for us all as well. Let me close with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, oh God, revival, it, it always starts somewhere. It starts somewhere, oh God, for John Wesley, it, it, it started when he was a young child. It started with spiritual mentors. Lord, we all have spiritual mentors, people that poured their lives into us. Thank you, Lord, for sending those our way, Lord, that lifted us up, that encouraged us, that instilled in us uh, strong, important values and virtues, O oh God, who instilled in us uh, biblical faith and truth. Lord, what a blessing. What a gift that is, Lord. We lift those names, those people, those experiences up on high unto you. And thank you, O oh God, for being the creator, the author, 
the Redeemer, the Sustainer, uh, and the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a great God you are. Thank you, Lord, for revival. We ask this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Folks, you have a wonderful evening. We will get back to our study at same time, same channel next week about Oxford. Take care and God bless you.